Hey, welcome back to Adventure Radio. This week on the show, guys, Lucas Parker. I'm moving fast through this. <laughs> Lucas Parker on the show, six-time CrossFit Games champion. Absolute Heath legend of a man. We had him on the show for a good two hours, guys. Bill, did you enjoy it? <laughs> what was that last word? I do it. Tommy's in a rush to get out of these uh, intro outros, apparently. Yeah. Hence the 16,000 words per second. <laughs> um, yeah, it was great. I uh, had a, heaps of fun with, uh, with mm. Lucas and learned a f- shitload yeah, of stuff. Yeah, a lot. Nutrition, like, like aliens, 12 things. CrossFit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Nutrition, aliens, and CrossFit. Yeah. But I um, had a great time with Lucas. Um, you guys are going to love it if you're yeah, into uh, if you're into anything. health and, and fitness and uh, and yeah anything really. It's anything. just a really good chat. Good um, dude. Good dude. So loves a beer. Loves a beer. <laughs> so uh, so guys, uh, this podcast is brought to you by True Pride. True Pride are a wealth creation service who work with ambitious individuals and families looking to take control, worry less, and get ahead. If you're looking to get ahead, Ooh, take yeah. control. True Pride is a wealth coaching business for you and will provide you with all the tools you need to fast track this. So what True Pride are, guys, it's a wealth coaching business. So at the moment, me and Tommy are working with them and they're just busting through our budget. So they'll go through, links up uh, a program called Cashfit. We'll link up with all your bank accounts and you'll be able to see exactly where you're spending your money and where you can make little wins and mm. big wins. Mm-hmm. So easy things without changing any of your lifestyle. Uh, you should be able to save about $150 a week. This is mm. Craig's average. Uh, this costs $97 per month. So it's a $600 a month saving for $97 a month. And uh, it's also a $297 uh, joining fee. That shit is way... <laughs> See you later if you join with us through our AD. link. www.truepride.com.au forward slash ADVF. VF. <laughs> so, um, so really check it out, guys. If you're having problems with your budget or you want to save for a holiday, you just want to get your money working better. Um, totally. Then, uh, then True Pride's for you. We're also supported by Carve. Carve is a, is a company that specializes in anything digital from building apps, designing logos, automating a business down to setting up your next event. Carve is a partner for you to get more time to focus on the things that you love and to scale your business. So what Carve is, guys, it's where I get my VAs from. So basically, I have all my trip staff. I have Tommy, I have myself, and then I have three VAs. So Two of them, VAs mean virtual assistants, so mm. an assistant that works abroad. These guys work in the Philippines. Two of them are full-time work on adventure travel, and one is Alvin who uh, listens to the show because he <laughs> produces it for us. Yep. Um, <laughs> Whether he likes it or not. Yeah. So, uh, so guys, this is uh, the offer. The offer with Carve is head to www.carve.ph forward slash ADVF, and you get 10 free hours on any project or any uh, VA that you want to set up. I recommend getting yourself... If you're a gym owner, if you've got a, if you're an entrepreneur, get yourself a VA. Even 20 hours a week, you will get so much of your life back, oh, yeah. and you pay six dollars US an hour, eight dollars Australian. It's it's good money over there. The guys in the Philippines get looked after well, but it actually costs you next to nothing. Check it out: www.carve.ph. I mean, forward slash ADVF. <laughs> We're also brought to you by Adventure Fit Travel. What's Adventure Fit Travel, Bill? Adventure Travel is a travel company for the fitness community. So we've okay. just released our uh, Bali trip with Carl Paoli, guys. It's in April next year. Gymnastics uh, workshops with Carl, surfing, uh, whitewater rafting, diving, a little bit of partying even maybe. It's going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. Last year was sick. This year it's going to be even sicker. So uh, check that out at www.adventurefittravel.com. We are... That's it, actually. I think it is. That's yeah. it. Enjoy the show. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. 
Rule number one. No touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where did we come from? guys, welcome to Adventure Radio. We are sitting here with the man, the beard, the legend, uh, Lucas Parker. And uh, Tommy is on my left as always. Before mm-hmm. we throw to Lucas and introduce him properly, we're going to start off with uh, Tommy's tribute. Excellent. Alrighty, uh, welcome aboard. Now, Lucas just told me he's a little bit nervous, so I'm excited about this. <laughs> um, now, Mr. Parker, are you a fan of Nirvana? Nevada? Nirvana. Nirvana. <laughs> Nirvana. Are you a fan of the state where uh, Las Vegas is? No. <laughs> The, uh, I, the I passed. Band. I passed through it once on a layover. I had eight hours to go visit the strip, and it was uh, underwhelming. Excellent. Yeah. So tell me all about it. Yeah. Well, what I'm, about I'm, what about Nirvana? Yeah, Nirvana. Nirvana. The uh, the grunge band from the nineties. Okay, we're off to a rough start here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still uh, learning to interpret the Australian accent. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, I've heard one or two uh, Nirvana songs. <laughs> Nirvana. Very true. Alrighty, well this is a uh, rendition of Polly. It's one of my favourite songs, so uh, we'll see how we go. Alright. Well, Lucas, it's a pleasure. I can't believe you're really here. Now, this may sound a little weird. I'm sexually attracted to your beard. I can't describe, <laughs> sorry, I can't describe, I don't know why, it could be the red on such a head, let me have a sneaky touch, I swear I won't get up too much, very good. <laughs> It's a pleasure I've watched you at the game so many times You're an athlete that is well revered I'm sexually attracted to your beard It could be the curls, you know they get the girls It could be the legs, you know they get the girls I wish I could grow on like you I just ate a fucking mushroom stew I am I am touched in uh, more ways than one. Yeah. Well, physically, um, I have to give it a sneaky touch. That was um, that was one of the best. Uh, that was one of the best trivia you've done. You hit a low patch there for a while, but that was I did that was, a low patch. That was fucking exceptional. Now I'm back on. Lucas, welcome to the show. Thank you for that uh, very unique introduction. Uh, yeah. I'm happy and disturbed to be here. Yeah, that's right. Hey, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What you're doing in Australia? Well, um, I'm 27 years old. Uh, I'm from Victoria, BC, on the west coast of Canada, and uh, I've fallen into a bit of a travel routine. So I'm now here in Australia. I'm putting on some uh, 
some barbell workshops that I've put together, and I'll be competing in the Torian Pro in uh, two weekends' time. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. So you were saying before we started the show that you like to, um, once game season's over, so you're a six-time, six-times games athlete now, This yeah? year was uh, number six. Mm. Yep. And then you were saying that you, uh, you like to take a little bit of time off. Uh, you like to, do you do, always do a bit of traveling, or you just like to relax, or how do you normally do it? Uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, I started competing when I was like 20 or 21. Um, so the professional athlete lifestyle is not necessarily conducive to the young 20-year-old lifestyle. No. Um, so I basically try and combine all my sort of real-life activities into one month after the games, which is you know hanging out with my friends, drinking some beer, staying up late, yep. playing video games, whatever. Um, not really focusing on on training or, or career stuff. Um and also, uh, from a performance perspective, like trying to get some recovery in yeah. and sort of break that cycle of, um, for lack of a better word, physical abuse that uh, an athlete can potentially be putting themselves for 12 months at a time. And if you mm. look at you know the span of a, a moderate to long games athlete's career, say four to six years, um, four to six years is a long time to not have any time off. Mm. Um, if we contrast this with say, uh, an, an Olympians, uh, cycle, the, the four year Olympiad, right. Is, uh, is much more forgiving. So you can Mm. go to the Olympics, win a medal, whatever. And then you could take a whole year off and do nothing, sit on the couch for a whole year. Mm. And then you would still have three years to get back in shape Mm. and and win another medal. Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas the CrossFit season continues to become more and more jam-packed with activities they've added the invitational they've added the team series they so they're trying to sort of fill the schedule to keep people um excited and active which is awesome for the community but if your goal is to win the crossfit games um you need you need to to take some time off somewhere for sure Mm. so do you get um do you ever get uh things that you kind of have to pick and choose you have to really look at it and uh, and say look that's probably not best for me as a person and for me as an athlete yeah, um, I'm. Yes, learning to say no is something. I mean, something my whole life I've been I've been working on. But especially when it comes to you know amazing opportunities uh, in 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 the fitness world, um, you know some some just pop up on your plate and you have to decide sort of right there. Like, well, am I going to do this now? What are the pros? What are the cons? Um, so based on how things went for me last year, I think I did last year maybe a little bit too much travel too close to the start of the season Mm -hmm. so i'm trying to get most of that done and out of the way not necessarily out of the way like i want to get it over with but i want to enjoy my experiences in that aspect earlier in the off season so that i have a more uh steady chunk of like dedicated training to get me ready for the season Mm, and do you find that doing that actually really helps you when you are so focused leading up to to, to the games and, and things you're, you're competing at. Like I, I find for me, um, and I'm obviously nowhere at the games level, but um, when I take time off, I'm really enjoying, you know, like you said, like hanging out with mates, drinking beers, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I also fall into the habit of wanting to train a little bit as well. Like I can't just take all yeah. time off and then right. do all the training as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So here's, here's how I, I differentiate that um, or how I, I deal with that is I, I make a distinction between training and exercise right training is something that is you know preparing you for a specific event or task or stimulus mm-hmm. um and it can potentially be uh, a beat down you can feel worse after training than when you started the session mm. uh, whereas exercise is something that's supposed to make you feel nice it's supposed to be good for your health and wellness you're supposed mm-hmm. to feel better after exercise than when before you started um so these days i am exercising mm, as yep. opposed to training 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of mentally just helps me uh, guide myself in terms of what I should be doing, right? Like I don't need to be uh, getting down on myself, really pushing myself into a deep hole. Um, that's not necessary this time. I want to feel as good as I possibly can physically every day. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, I think I'm I'm st- starting the season off on the wrong foot otherwise. Totally, totally. Sure. So you've always been um, in my eyes and I haven't really... Um, haven't really. I've been really busy the last couple of years. Haven't really That's followed good. followed your social media accounts, to be perfectly honest. But oh I always my god! Used to Come it. on, <laughs> right, podcast over. I'm heading out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm done. Um, uh, but I used to always see on your YouTube channels. Maybe I don't know if you have YouTube, but I used to see videos floating around. Always, maybe they were CrossFit produced. I don't remember, but it was um, kind of showing the way that you would go out and train. You're very active in the outdoors. Is that how you do a lot of your training? And like, what are the benefits there for you? Yeah, yes and no. Um, so over the years, I think that's evolved a bit. Uh, earlier in my career, that was definitely a big part of my training. I would, you know, uh, if I was planning out a week or a month or a yearly cycle, I would make sure that I included some, I call them just yard sessions. Uh, this is in my parents' backyard. They had mm. a nice, uh, beautiful house. Big space. Yeah, just, yeah, beautiful. I, I grew there, up there. Me. Oh, it's not weird. Grew, <laughs> grew, I'll say that. Yeah, grew up my, there. My uh, house is, but, uh, you, your you sister's know. bedroom is really, really. <laughs> <laughs> the furniture in that from the, from the flower bed looks fantastic. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, Sorry, go on. And, uh, so it just as, as an outdoor space for a kid, it was amazing to grow up there, just being able to, you know, play sports in the yard or just step outside the yard and be, you know, down on the shore and be able to hike and play mm-hmm. around the rocks and stuff. Um, and then as I got more into obviously CrossFit, then there started, uh, I started accumulating some equipment there and would do some sort of strongman style stuff. And, and that I think is, uh, great for like general athletic development, mm-hmm. um, uh, physique balance, muscular balance. Um, but at the same time, it's not really sports specific. Yeah. Um, so it's a great off season activity. Uh, but when it comes to performance in the open, performance in the regionals, uh, those movements are essentially irrelevant. Mm. They maybe come into play a little bit at the games, but if you're banking on your odd object skill to win you the CrossFit Games, mm. uh, you're probably approaching a little bit wrong. So, especially the past couple of years, um, as I've I've not been uh, achieving the results that I have uh, been hoping for or expecting of myself at the games, uh, that sort of unique odd object training has definitely taken a backseat. I need mm. to be doing more, basically more triathlon training and like general kind of CrossFit Metcon kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So Lucas, so you just, uh, you just mentioned earlier how you haven't been performing as well as you would like with the, the, uh, the pressure that you put on yourself to, to perform hasn't quite, um, lived up to your own standards. And why do you think that is? Is has anything changed? I remember the first, the first few years you had really, um, you, you improved your placings, I believe at, your, at the games. And then now, Obviously, last year wasn't your best year. What do you think you need to change to get to where you want to be? Uh, I mean, there's a few changes that I made um, last year to get my best placing I've had at the games, which I think was uh, 14th or something like that. Mm-hmm. So the year before that, so 2014 was my worst placing I've had at the games. Made a few changes, got my best placing I've had at the games. Mm-hmm. So definitely a good learning experience there. Um, and those changes were still in place this year, um, but. For a number of reasons, I wasn't quite able to sort of actualize uh, that the sort of full potential through the year. Um, you know, everyone has challenges uh, in in life and in training. Uh, so I have a few injuries pop up. Um, my partner's father passed away. Right. Uh, there was a you know a lot of sort of travel and stuff uh, involved with that. Um, mm. So it wasn't. Uh, it was a rocky. There were there were ups and downs. So I yeah. had some really great points in the year. 
Um, but there were some lower points in the year as well that I hadn't really experienced in the past. So it was a lot less consistent, uh, than I've uh, ever had before. And I, I wasn't quite able to, to roll with those punches quite as well. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hoping for, uh, this year and uh, what I'm going to be, well, not just hoping for, but trying to actively create for myself is a more consistent, uh, level sort of push of progress through the year. Uh, because I, you know, I, I have experience now, um, six, six years of experience. I sort of, I, I think I know a little bit about training and I, I know a little bit about how my body responds to training. I think I respond well to training that's designed nicely. Um, I have figured out a few nutritional things and hydration things that are, uh, that are going to help me. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm living now in, uh, in Ottawa with, uh, with my partner, Lindsay, and we have a good crew at, uh, my new gym CrossFit NCR. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Paul Tremblay. He's a Canadian games oh, yeah. athlete. He was yep. on the team with me in, in San Jose at the Invitational there. Um, so there's a few pieces in play now that I think are going to be really positive for me. And I'm, uh, excited to, to see what I can achieve. Mm. So with, um, with Paul and, um, so you didn't have him as a training partner before? That's no, just I've, kind of kicked off? Yeah, I've always been um, kind of a, a lone wolf um, when it comes to training. I, I enjoy sort of training by myself, and I also get a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, anxiety about like trying to accommodate other people's schedules, uh, mm. which is mm. you know, a life skill that I really need to work on to be a grown-up, but uh, I like to sort of be <laughs> able to... time to be a grown-up, mate. Yeah, yeah that's I'm right. Still, I'm, yeah. I'm still very much in 15-year-old boy mindset trying <laughs> yeah. to run a business and uh, I'm still in brown ranges. <laughs> <laughs> um, you got space for one more? Yeah, um, <laughs> Come along. <laughs> and uh, so in, in that vein, um, I've never really had like legit sort of games level training partners. Um, I've, you look at the guys in the States and I think they have a lot more, I guess it's easier for Americans to just kind of hop around and train with each other and mm. stuff. But I'm sort of, you know, isolated on the West coast of Canada, Vancouver Island. Um, and, uh, it's tough to get like a big crew of, of dudes together to throw down more than, mm-hmm. you know, more than once or twice a year. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so being, being in, you know, in the East, uh, uh, landlocked, with other games athletes that that might be uh, a reality for me now is that I get to sort of experience a bit more of that push through the year. Um, and it's something that I, I am not really feeling positive about, but I know in, in my mind uh, that um, it'll be something good for me if I can overcome my, my hesitancy to sort of, you know, have training it. partners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about um, training with, with different people? I'm not sure if you've done this, but training with um, specialized people. So, you may have a, a weightlifting partner or a gymnastics partner or even right. even something like we were talking about earlier before the show, like a, a meditation partner or like right. someone who's into breathing and stuff. Have you ever done, gone down that path at all? Um, not not in practice, no, but I really like the concept um, because, you know, the, the, the original sort of uh, idea of CrossFit or the one, of the one of the sort of thought experiments they put out there was like, okay, well, we'll have a competition. There, there'll be a weightlifter, a gymnast, uh, a runner, and a crossfitter mm. and you know the weightlifter will win weightlifting but the crossfitter might come second the gymnast will win gymnastics but the crossfitter might come second the runner will win running but the crossfitter might come second um so across you know on average um they're gonna always have the crossfitter always have someone beating them um but they'll also always sort of come out on on the whole mm. above uh on average um and so applying that to training right like yeah i think it'd be really cool to have someone who's like elite and like legitimately uh, totally above your level um but has like 
perfected their discipline and, and you can just sort of like sponge off that and leech off that mm. and then, uh, you know, apply that to, to your training and, mm. and development, I think would be, would be really cool. I don't know if that really, if there's any gym that, that has that scenario, I think there's a few training camps that people are putting out there where they'll power bring monkey, in, uh, power monkey training. I think yeah, they, they do um, something like that, don't they? Definitely. Probably um, shouldn't mention my uh, competitors. Yeah. I'll take that out and, uh, and uh, actually no, I'll just besmirch their name as we go. Keep yeah, it on. That's right. I'll just talk bad about them. Um, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> uh, and, and to plug another one of my uh, events, I'm actually going to be doing a, a Euro tour, uh, in, um, uh, November. Um, and I'm going to be teaming up with Sean Lind, who's a gymnastics coach. He's worked with a number of games athletes like uh, Sam Briggs and Camille and, mm. and a number of others. Um, and uh, so I'm going to be sort of coaching some some weightlifting, uh, and he's going to be coaching some gymnastics. And we're going to get sort of uh, team up for the uh, for the attendees over a, a three day camp. So it's going to be a really sort of intensive, uh, specialized, segmented mm. camp, which will be a lot of fun for everybody. I think. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We're going to be doing one of those in in Dublin. Uh, another one in. Uh, Almere, which is just outside of Amsterdam. Yeah, mm. cool. We'll put all the um, we can put the links to all that stuff in the show oh, notes. Totally. What about but totally. uh, so with this, what you're doing, um, this world tour, um, you're doing your seminars over here. How's it go as an athlete financially? Are you a full time athlete? Uh pretty much. Yeah, full time athlete, full time gypsy at this point, I think. Mm. Yeah. And is that does that actually going and doing these training camps in Dublin and all around the world? Do you do that to supplement your income or do you do that because you actually want to do that? You want to see Dublin, you want to travel as well? Uh, Maybe a bit of both. A little bit of both. Mm. Um, so in the earlier years, I was doing a lot of just local coaching. So at one point, I think I had three sort of part-time coaching jobs, one at the CrossFit Box, one at the uh, university uh, gym uh, in Victoria there, and then one at my old high school gym, just sort of supervising the fitness center. Um as well as being sort of full-time training, full-time student. So I had a lot going on all in Victoria, um, which was great. Um, but now I think I get a little more bang for my buck by by traveling and touring um, and doing sort of, you know, weekend events, um, workshop style, as opposed to sort of hourly coaching. Um, uh, for a number of reasons, I find that to be more effective. Um, in some ways, I feel the instruction is more effective because if, you know, if someone is uh, is one of your your regular, say, uh, uh, students or athletes at the gym, and they sort of you know hear the same stuff from you day after day, week after week. Uh, a lot of it can kind of go in one ear and out the other. Um, mm-hmm. But if someone is you know intensively focused for a couple days in a row, you have their full attention. They're excited to see mm. you. They're probably going to absorb a lot more of the uh, of whatever nuggets of wisdom you you happen to to be able to provide. Um, so I get I get more excited about that interaction because I feel like I'm able to contribute more to someone's development. And if that happens to be happening in Australia or the Dominican Republic or Dublin, um, then that's really cool for me as well. Mm. But yeah, financially, that's mostly how I support myself. It's basically a split between like uh, prize money, um, contract uh, endorsement mm-hmm. agreements yep. and, uh, and my own workshop tours and t-shirt sales and things like that. Um, so, uh, I guess you could say I'm self-employed or an entrepreneur mm-hmm. or a mm-hmm. gypsy or a CrossFit hobo, um, <laughs> but I, Whichever I think, one you choose, yeah, sad man. honestly, yeah. <laughs> like people ask, you know, oh, why, why do you do this? Why do you, you know, do what you do, compete in the games or whatever. And part of it is cause I kind of am deathly afraid of having a real job. Mm. Um, totally. 
you know, I, I did the, I did the, the university thing and even just sitting in class for a few hours a day, I found challenging oh, it sucks. Um, just physically, like, honestly, like I just, I think I'm allergic to sitting. Um, yeah. It's a thing. It's definitely a thing. I break out in hives. You know, uh, I was a a tradesman myself um, for for the longest time and then I worked in the fitness industry and now since starting AdventureFit, everybody thinks that I, because AdventureFit travel, everyone thinks that I go on holidays for a living all day every day. Whereas I only go on a very small portion of them. They're highly stressed overseas work jaunts, really. Right. Although they can be very fun. Yeah. But I sit at a desk myself for the most part, mm. and it sucks. Yeah. yeah. I, I I need to find some way to get around it. I mm. need to get really successful so people sit <laughs> at my desk and do my work for me. Well, you because, just travel. Because, um, yeah, I'm with you. I can't. I mean, people people work at a desk their whole lives. You know, I'm, it's it's a job. You have to have a job. Yeah. You have to make money and earn a living. But yeah. if I can escape the desk, yeah, I'll Definitely. be doing it. So Here's a about- theory. Here's a theory. You're gone. So, you know how the human. So humans obviously naturally we've we've evolved and all this sort of stuff, and where our body is made to sort of stand up and move around and all this thing. Mm. Are the only reasons that people sit to a desk because they actually don't enjoy it, but it's just a means to an end, just for work. But really, everyone well, wants to keep moving. Because we're we're animals. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Have I just What's your point? I don't, I don't, I don't really <laughs> have a point. The theory. What's your theory? Stream of consciousness. No, no. So the theory is that I don't have a theory. I thought you were gonna say <laughs> when you started going down the evolutionary yeah. terms, I thought you were gonna say obviously we went from bipedal no. Well, I'm walking on all fours to uh, quadruped or, yeah, or yeah. arboreal, which I believe is swinging in the trees, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. And then um, and then we became bipedal and we're standing upright. I thought sure. you were gonna say that we might be evolving to be like sitting on our bum oh, animals we, scraping we, our ass along the ground. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, some have already evolved that way. And I'm, uh, Here's the, I mean, uh, I, I, I really like, um, you know, paleo thought experiments and, and sort of talking about, you know, what it was like back you know, in the good old days or in mm. the caveman days. Um, but that's kind of all they are is thought experiments. And yes, we can make inferences from like skeletal remains and like the archaeological sites and stuff. But like, I think there are probably a number of like lifestyles when it came to paleo living, right? Like mm. some people were probably like, walking and exploring and foraging all day. Um, but some people, if they happen to live in like an island paradise, were probably lazing around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think either way is probably quite healthy, but like I like to laze around a lot. Mm. Um, but I think if I were to try and make that, you know, healthier or more paleo, it would just be literally eliminating chair-like objects. Mm. So just putting like a flat mat on the ground or like a pile of pillows. So like, yeah, you can still relax and lay down and whatever, but you're just not in that very uniquely damaging sitting position. Mm. Um, which is, uh, you know, maybe silly to break it down and make it that simple, but I think that's probably one of the reasons why, you know, people have you know body pain and blah blah blah. Is like it doesn't mean you have to be doing fitness all day. No, but just if you're chilling out, like try not to be sitting in a chair. Yeah, you know? yeah. But in some ways, it's just very uniquely Western. I mean, you have a look yeah. at a lot of the Asian cultures, and yeah. when they're when they're eating dinner, they're kneeling down, yeah, and they you know, and then they're standing up and they they chill out in the squat position. And obviously, right. some of them are the best weightlifters in the whole world. It's bizarre how we've made life, you know, so much easier, but so much more physically damaging in the same, in the same extent, you know? So, yeah. And I try and bring some of that to like, just my awareness at meals and stuff. So when I'm at home, I'll often, uh, I'll just eat breakfast on the floor, either in a kneeling position or sitting in like a straddle or whatever with a little, like I'll use a a footstool, but I'll put my plate on that as Mm. a table instead of sitting on it or resting on it. Um, Mm -hmm. things like that, that kind of try and try and stem, stem the, uh, the Stem damage. the bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> so um, absolutely. So getting back into um, getting back into the finances of being an athlete. Like, what about? Uh, do you think it's getting getting easier for guys? Say someone's mm, one or two years in the into being a games athlete. 
They're not particularly um, top 10, the super marketable guys outside of the top 10. Right. Is life pretty hard for a CrossFit Games athlete getting by that wants to be a, treat themselves as a professional athlete or is it getting easier? Uh, my assumption would say yeah, it would be yes. I'm kind of in the middle ground there where obviously I, I don't have the, uh, the, the elite level contracts of someone like you know Rich Froning or Camille. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, I think you know I'm obviously uh, surviving, but I'm definitely very not. Uh, you are very marketable. Not well off. I I, I would I would agree with that. But mm-hmm. um, I see a lot of comments online about like, and people really people really do assume uh, all the games athletes are marketable. So people really do assume that they're all loaded with endorsements and sponsorships. And I've seen a number of comments. It's like. Oh, he's a games athlete. He's you know must be rich or whatever. Why can't he do this or that? And it's like, well, no, that's actually not how it is. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, I know like so. I when I drove across uh, Canada from Victoria to Ottawa, like I leaned on my CrossFit connections and I was like, hey, can I crash with you guys? And I mm. would show up on someone's doorstep at eleven o'clock at night after driving all day and <laughs> and rely on their hospitality to mm-hmm. get me through the next day, right? So I'm not like staying in you know expensive hotels as I as I travel across the country. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's not my reality. Um, so for someone who's like an entry-level athlete, in some ways it's getting easier to make a go of it because, you know, if, hey, if you're even doing well at regionals now, like you're pretty freaking legit. Mm. Um, and especially even from a physique standpoint, right? There are people who are like, you know, doing regionals that look amazing and they'd mm. be happy to model like apparel or products or whatever. Um, so I think it's pretty easy at this point to get, uh, you know, ambassador style uh, agreements with companies but at the same time while those opportunities are increasing the level of um full-time commitment to do well in crossfit and make it to the games is also increasing Mm. so you know years ago and maybe still a little bit right now you could maybe have a full-time job there are a couple athletes that have a full-time job and that are also making it to the games right i don't know if you guys follow margo alvarez online yeah Mm. Uh, she's awesome super nice uh super nice girl um and she's like building and running like a winery Really, it's like wow. manual labor all day, like, and it's all, it's like a full time thing. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then like Val Voberal, one of my original favorite CrossFit athletes, is like a school teacher, mm. has kids. She trains, I think, like once a day, mm-hmm. um, wow. and she's you know done very well at the games. Yeah, um, absolutely. But the, I feel like those days are kind of past, if not now, in the next five or ten years, that's going to be no longer a reality. All the athletes are going to be you know, have been doing CrossFit competing since they were like nine or 12 years old. Mm. Um, they're going to be loaded up with sponsorships and endorsements. They're, they're probably all be dumb as a brick because they've dropped out of school to do yeah. CrossFit. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting landscape. Yeah. I think it's, um, I've always thought of CrossFit as crazy because I, um, like I said to you earlier, I haven't really been involved in CrossFit for the last couple of years, but I started it probably four years ago when things were a lot different. And, um, and back then, it was like the guys at the top were the. I don't think the marketing and the uh, the sponsorship, the the money there had kind of evolved to where it is now, obviously. But the level of training to be at the top was still so high. Mm. Like compare compare yeah. what you do to professional sport like Australian rules football or NFL or um, basketball. Like some of these schedules are crazy. Like basketball play a lot of games, I suppose. Baseball play a lot of games. But the level of training is it's it's probably at or above mm. most professional sports. Would you agree? 
Um, I, I don't have any personal experience to sort of go off of that other than watching something like HBO's Ballers where these football players are like spending most of their time partying and hanging out <laughs> and show, yeah. show up to practice oh, and, and cut their checks, oh, so right? So that, let's, that sounds like a lifestyle I would do. <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, I feel like I picked the wrong sport. I should have gotten into darts. Yeah. Oh, I just, yeah. I didn't realize it was a big thing, oh, but I saw darts huge. on the, you know, hap- happening in the UK on TV. Oh. And they're making tons of money it's for insane. literally doing like plyometric tricep extensions. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and yeah, that's sure. it's a sport where you can like literally drink beer yep. and smoke a cigar while performing in your sport. And you get I don't all know girls, if the groupies would be the same level though. Oh, uh, but real, I bet they would be. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh man, I wish. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I've always wondered what what goes on there because um, in darts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, in Darth, no, in the uh, in the financial thing. Hey, let's talk a little bit about yeah. training and stuff. So, Lucas, so cool. when you go back, you you like to have a couple of months off, lay pretty low, do a little bit of stuff. When you go back, when do you kind of go back, and what does your training look like? Uh, in the past, I might actually schedule that out. So I say, okay, I'm ramping up for this date or whatever. Or if if I know I am doing a say a competition in December or January, I'll maybe build a program after that. But at this point, I kind of want to like. Just ride things out, chill, lay low until I actually feel like excited and anxious to train again. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I want to start my next season on the right foot. You know, mm-hmm. I want to start with the attitude of, okay, you know, I'm ready. Let's do this as opposed to the attitude of, okay, here we go again. Mm. You know, um, I think that's probably the wrong mentality to have. And I'm definitely still feeling a little bit sort of just tired and burned out and, and uh, a little bit grumpy about how things went at the games this year for me. Um, so I'm going to need to, uh, you know, either wait until an attitude adjustment happens or, or work on, on, uh, adjusting my attitude and then, uh, and then go from there. All right. Sure. So uh, when you talk about working on adjusting your attitude, what does that mean? Like, how would you go and adjust your attitude? Uh, you know, I just, for, for a number of reasons feel like, uh, yeah, just, it's wow. It's it's just uh, it's just tough to sort of work work your ass off all year and have a lot of ups and downs and and definitely feel like I overcame a few things and and was very uh, happy and and honored and grateful to make it to the games. Um, but then after all of that, to sort of not have things go the way you want them or expect them to, um, you know, it just kind of hurts your feelings a bit. For and, sure. And uh, and makes you wonder. It makes you question. Sort of, geez, like why am I putting myself mm. through this if I'm not sort of getting uh, a tangible reward at the end of it yeah um so learning to sort of come back to the um the i guess the non-concrete rewards of it in terms of um you know having having a positive impact on other people um having uh uh a, a great learning experience about how to train and improve either, you know, biomechanically or programming or physiologically. Cause that's, I, I like to sort of geek out on fitness stuff. So mm-hmm. there's always learning opportunities there. Uh, mm-hmm. once the, the smoke sort of dies down, um, and then learning sort of to, you know, appreciate victory in, in my effort and my, and my personal striving as opposed to whether or not I, you know, win five points or 10 points mm, or yeah. or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars after after this or that mm-hmm. yeah. so i mean there must be a hell of a lot of sort of self-evaluation that comes into it after the games because i mean you think about a sport like crossfit and it's probably applicable to most sports but um when it's just you and it's just the individual you're you're making it to the games um you know so you you've definitely improved based on your performance of last year i know you made it to the games last year as well but you've as an athlete you've gotten better right 
And the pool of athletes has gotten better as well. And yet yeah. you're still not happy with where you are as a games athlete. Is that something you would look at and you'd have a look at maybe your, your, your training could be adjusted here or there and, and little um, things as well? You know, I don't know. I th- so most of the people that um, offer me advice or criticism or just observation about my uh, training are really only offering advice or criticism about uh, my performance or my f- physical act- activities at the games. Yep. So most people don't see what actually happens during the year. I, I train sure. pretty well during the year. I achieve good improvements in fitness and skill. Um, I've gotten a lot better at swimming, a lot better at running. Um, and that's one of the things actually that I'm quite sore about is that these improvements were not showcased at the games this year. Uh, also in, uh, 2014, I got pretty, pretty mangled by, uh, the triple uh, threes event, had to go mm. to the hospital, stuff like that. I just, I wasn't able to showcase the excellent year of training that I had behind me. And that's, it's, you know, that's, I think, the, the part that's tough for me is I have had a few years of very good training, very good improvement, mm-hmm. and it hasn't quite been showcased. And I, I feel in my heart and I, I feel like I see on paper that I am one of the top guys in the sport. Sure. Um, and that just hasn't, uh, that hasn't been, I guess, proven yet. So I need to, uh, I need to either, you know, find, find a little bit of luck or, or, or make something different happen to, uh, to, I you know, I guess peak might be a word you would use to sort of peak at the right time. Mm. I mean, I obviously, you know, taper and, and peak and sort of progress things to, to sort of hit, hit, hit a a good stride in competition. Mm. Um, but that doesn't always happen the way you want it to. And so you feel like you haven't improved or you haven't been able to showcase that, um, relative to other competitors or relative to your own, um, performance. You don't Uh, feel like you've lived up to it. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and this, you know, this could be a, a, a tricky situation in terms of making myself look arrogant. But there are a few events at the games this year that I definitely mm. should have done a lot better on. It could have beat this guy and that guy and, and all that sort of thing. Um, so when that finally happens, <laughs> I think it'll be interesting because I know the first question is going to be, oh, you know, what did you change? What did yeah, you change? Yeah, yeah. Did you? And I was like, no, like, you know, this is kind of like my what my potential has been for the past few years but it just hasn't happened and sure. for whatever reason i got lucky today like sorry that i couldn't show you that last year yeah that's right yeah absolutely well, lucas can i ask you a question um what have you been doing for the past 45 minutes what's that <laughs> what have you been doing for the past 45 minutes what are you talking about have you been asking questions or oh yeah yeah so sorry you can ask another one if you, <laughs> you want you can ask another one yeah that's right yeah sorry you confused the shit out of am me am i allowed to be a podcasting um, host <laughs> <laughs> um so do you think um do you have any practices game day for uh, the mental side of things? So before you actually go out on the event, because obviously you're saying everything's in place to perform really well. Right. Do you think it's a it's a mindset thing or what's your mental game like? Have you explored that? Obviously, you you take some time. You, you said you meditate yeah. earlier with, with like, have you looked into that? Um, yeah, I think uh, this year... Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I had a lot more sort of ups and downs physically and mentally. Um, and while I am, I, th- I think being aware of that is, is, uh, a victory in and of itself. A lot of yeah. people just, you know, aren't able to sort of step back and objectively see, you know, their, their feelings kind of floating up and, and notice that, Oh, you know, I'm feeling stressed out or, or this isn't going well for me or whatever. Um, so I can at least do that. Um, but then, uh, dealing with that on, on, on top of it, especially when it comes up in a competition is, uh, is quite challenging and is hard to practice because mm. you know, how many competitions do you do per year? Not yeah. very many. And how many of those competitions maybe don't go well for you and you need to deal with, uh, 
with adverse uh, uh, circumstances. Well, you know, not too many on top of that. So, sure. um, yeah, I think that just comes down to uh, 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 a practice thing, an awareness thing. Um, so in terms of, of game day uh, strategies, um, you know, I think uh, having just like, just confidence in uh, in the year of training that an athlete has behind them is mm-hmm. is huge, and and just taking a moment to remember all the hard work you've put in, all the excellent reps you've performed, um, all the uh, all the progress you've made, and maybe sure like the last week before the games, maybe you got sick or maybe you know your ankle got sore or whatever, but like you still have you know ten to twelve months of of excellent progress and hard work and dedication behind you and that's not gonna all disappear in the span of, you know, one event or a couple hours or a couple weeks. Um mm, absolutely. So I think a lot of athletes would do well to sort of uh take that sort of mentality and yeah, just just trust is mm. is a big one, right? And if you don't trust either your program or your how you're eating or if you don't, you know, trust yourself in terms of your experience and your strategy, that's going to be difficult. So, so accumulating, accumulating experiences that you can trust during the year and then leaning on those in competition, um, Mm. is something that I'm trying to work on. And I guess sort of recognizing as well that it's about the journey. Is is that a big thing for you that uh, a lot of athletes we talk to, they enjoy almost training more than they just do the, the, um, the competitive side to it. And I guess they can, the competition side, yeah. Is just a, a way to measure how their training has been going, in a sense. That's exactly, uh, yeah, I've been saying that for years. It's like, I honestly don't even really like competing that much. Um, I like the training side of yeah. things more. And it was like that in rugby in high school. Um, uh, we had a really great strength and conditioning coach. Um, and we had, you know, early morning lifting before school. And then we'd have, you know, intervals and stuff after practice. And uh, I loved all that stuff. Mm. I love mm. practice. I love the skill work. I love the lifting in the gym. And then games were fun as well. Um, but it was like, I liked seeing, you know, how my training impacted my game day performance. Um, it's like, oh yeah, I feel, you know, faster this week. Or yeah, I really like smash that guy or whatever because I've been squatting heavy. Um, and it, it's the same for me in CrossFit now. Um, and that, so that's one of the reasons, like I said earlier, I'm kind of sore about uh, this year at the games. So it's like, oh, well, you know, I... I feel like I trained pretty hard. I, I dealt with some adversity through the year, and and unfortunately, I didn't see a nice uh, reflection of that in my result. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'll still have to still have to reinterpret that uh, moving forward. I think that's why you know weightlifting and CrossFit they're so so attractive to people that love training and stuff. Just because you know the amount of training is just directly seen into how well you perform on the day. Like if you've mm. just been doing a lot of muscle ups, you're just going to be better at muscle ups, and right. you know your weightlifting is the same thing. I want to talk about um, your your mindset and some of the mindfulness techniques if you do that that sure. sort of stuff as well. I know um, you have a very unique routine when you're walking up to a bar um, and doing all that sort of stuff. What goes through your mind when you're doing that and then what sort of some, some mental techniques that you, you do as well? I don't know. I think I might have mental illness. Yeah. Like OC, <laughs> yeah. OC, OCD uh, or something. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's less of a routine and more of just uh, – I don't know, just a weird habit or mannerism or and so, so like, and it changes all the time. So if I look back on, you know, what I, how I would approach the bar sort of five years ago, it's much different than a few years ago, much different than this year. Mm. Um, so a lot of it is just based on like whatever weird thing is bugging me in my body right now. Like maybe I need to like shake out my, you know, left shoulder to get my, uh, you know, trapezius to relax mm. or, uh, you know, maybe I need to like jiggle my quads a bit so that I can, uh, feel like I can sink down to address the bar better or, 
so it, it's always kind of changing based on that physically and then also like mentally what what I use to sort of cue myself to sort of get fired up. So that might mm. be um, that might be yelling in a certain way, that might be grunting in a certain way, that might be slapping my uh, back of my neck or my belly or my butt or who knows what it's going to be um, a mm. month from now, right? But yeah, I definitely uh, there's definitely uh, an entry to the bar. Um, so like the lift, you know, and this is how I coach people: like the lift doesn't begin when the bar breaks off the floor. The lift begins when you start approaching the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just sort of reinforces the fact that like, well, yes, lifting has a lot of sort of mentality to it. Like there needs to be aggression, there needs to be focus and just, just the right amounts of those. Mm. That's a really, um, really often neglected uh, piece, I think, with CrossFitters, especially mm-hmm. amateur CrossFitters is addressing the bar the yep. same way, especially yep. for like heavy yeah, the same way, yeah. Because yep. for me, it was always, it was always... Right foot, left foot, right hand, left hand. My bum would sink and I would lift. And then I went through a really good patch about before I hurt my back a couple of years ago. And then I had about six months off with um, a couple of um, bulged discs. And then when I went to start lifting again, I couldn't get the same groove with my setup. Mm. I'd put my right foot under, my left foot under, my right hand, my left hand. And it just wouldn't feel the same. Mm. I just, I don't know why. Obviously, I just lost it. I hadn't done it for a while. And that mentally... Just just fucked me up a little bit. Mm, you yeah. know, I just didn't feel just didn't feel the confidence of automation. Right. That's how I like to feel. Like yeah. when I'm in, in a groove myself, I'm like, this is on I'm on autopilot here. I do the mm. same stuff and I know this bar's going up over me. That's what at least I'm thinking. Yeah. Um and I think um yeah, you think of all the crossfitters out there especially that are but see, this is what I'm so interested in as well. I mean, I mean, you guys. Um, let, let's. I remember uh, um, watching the 2013 games, and you would touch both sides of the plates, and then right. you'd, you'd you'd grunt, and then you'd you sort of shake your ass a little bit, and then you'd yeah. and lift. And when yeah. Bill when Bill walks up to a bar, he's um, shakes his arms out, and then he does like what he just said as well. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like if all of those things didn't happen, that you would you mentally you just would like the root? You have to have the routine, or else you're screwed. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I think so. I mean, especially when it comes to maximal effort or elite performance, um, it's it is. I think it comes back to like it's a trust thing and it's a confidence thing. Like like I've done so many lifts before where I you know touch the touch the plates yeah. on the side and wiggle my butt or whatever. Like, mm. and if that like that's part of that is part of the lift mm. mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so it's like oh I as and this isn't maybe what's happening consciously, but in your in your body, it's like. Oh, okay, this is happening. Like I, I essentially am completing the lift. Like as soon as I step on the platform and I stomp my feet and I start touching the bar, like that is part of the snatch that I'm about to do or that mm. I am doing. Like I'm doing the snatch right there, mm-hmm. and it just carries through and the lift is complete. Um, and somewhere in there, you know, you've gripped the bar and you've pulled it over your head, but that's that's like the middle of the lift, really. Yeah. Right? Like, um, and I think there's definitely uh, there's a huge motor learning and sort of uh, you know body memory aspect to that mm. um aside from any like mentality or whatever it's like like okay this is happening like this is this is the lift you know sure i got a mate uh i got a mate liam who's um australia representative he's pretty much number one in australia although he just busted his elbow so he's been out for a few weeks a few months and um liam approaches a bar and he'll he'll come out from the um warm-up room and he'll He'll be going, rah, rah, yeah. Rah. Uh, he'll give probably five or six grunts, go up to the chalk, um, chalk bowl. He'll grunt three or four more times. He'll get on the platform, stomps both feet, rah, rah, grabs the bar, rah, rah, does all this stuff, shakes his left elbow, shakes yeah. his uh, shakes his left arm. Uh, um, yeah. And 
to anybody who hasn't seen seen Liam lift a hundred times, they'd be like, "Fuck! Look at all this crazy stuff this yeah. is doing. He's got no idea. He's grunting here. He's shaking. He's doing this." Every single time, it's the exact same. Yeah. Runs and all. That's awesome. And I think that's just, you need to get, um, with weightlifting especially. Oh, with weightlifting especially, with, yeah. With weightlifting especially, it's just, sure. you got wins that you have to get. Yeah. You know, it's such a mental, if you can get an absolute carbon copy version of something that you're 100% comfortable mm. doing, then that's a win mm. before right. you put the bar up. You know, if you're, if you're not that confident with how you've been training, then, you might have something in the back of your mind that's, I'm not feeling that confident with this lift. Mm. But if you've gone through the exact mm. same routine, that might overpower that thought. We might, might give you that little bit of edge. But it's for me, routine and setting right. up is a little win that I can get no matter if I'm training well or training badly. Yeah. Um, did you watch uh, any of the Olympics? You watch any of the 100 meter stuff with Usain Bolt? Yeah. So he ha- he's the same. He does the exact same thing before he gets set up in the blocks and, mm. and starts the race, right? I forget the exact routine, but it involves... Uh, you know, shaking out the legs, jumping a couple times. Um, Looking he, cool I think as fuck. He, he, yeah. he kisses a cross on his uh, necklace and then mm. he wags his finger up at the sky and then he yep. gets down the blocks. And there was a false start in one of the races. So he did that whole thing. Everyone gets it up. Boom, false start. Everyone walks back. He does the exact same thing really? again really? after the false start. Mm. And like, okay, that's not, you know, that's not for God. Like God didn't forget about you in 10 yeah. seconds. You don't need to ask him for that's help right. again. Like that's for you saying. Mm. Um, and that's part of the routine. And if he's going to win the race that he's he's won races by doing that thing before, then that's how he's going to win the race this time too. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess my only my only issue with it is when I'm, from a coaching perspective, when I'm coaching my members, and like you said before, it's more for when you're going for maximal weight that you should have these sort of motor patterns. But like right. CrossFit's different. We can we can approach the bar under uh, under time stress and we don't have the time to yep. to go through all that sort of stuff. Yep. Is that something you take into consideration? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially in the, you know, in the early years of CrossFit, I maybe had the luxury of, resting a little more, taking my time because I was able to sort of make up that with, with good power output. But Mm. these days, like if you, if you're not working during the workout, you're falling behind, especially at the Mm. games. Um, so there's really the days of like strategic rest and, and moving slower pretty much over. Um, so you need to be able to address the bar quickly, set up quickly. And it's usually in a scenario where the weights are light enough, where you're hopefully not going to hurt yourself by setting up quickly, but you still need to like, get in a good position for efficiency and power and, and injury prevention. Um, so you watch an athlete like, uh, let's say like rich. Um, so when he's doing like, you know, say snatching a bar and dropping it and snatching a bar and dropping it, you can see he falls into a good routine of, you know, drop the bar, maybe step back one, step forward one, uh, one hand, the other hand, usually like his hips sink and back sets at the same time as the second hand goes on the bar and Mm. then the lift begins. So he's minimized any wiggling or time spent, you know, down there. It's like the hands are on the back is set, the bar lifts. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so especially now that CrossFit is including some like speed ladders with the, uh, I forget what the first one was, but it was maybe the games a couple years ago. There was like a speed clean ladder Um, at regionals. There was a a muscle ups into a speed clean ladder. Mm. That was a cool event. Um, totally. and then there was this, obviously this, uh, it wasn't necessarily a speed ladder, but regionals this year, there was that snatch, mm. I guess you call it a ladder snatch ladder. And then mm-hmm. there was the, the same clean ladder this year with the 30 reps. Yeah. And so it's not necessarily a speed ladder, but you still need quick setups. You still need mm. efficiency on the bar. The weights for the first few bars are light enough where you can, you know, make up time there by just like setting up quickly. So that's now part of the sport. Um, yeah, for sure. Is, addressing the bar quickly and having a routine for that that involves very little routine mm. how much um how much time do you practice actual like let's say you get um 
30 cleans as fast as humanly possible. Like barbell cycling technique work is what I mean. Do right. you put any time and effort into that? Uh, yes, but I'd say those two examples are a little bit different. Like 30 cleans as fast as humanly possible, that's say that's more like an event that's like game day performance where you know technique might fall off in favor of performance. Whereas mm-hmm. like actually like practicing barbell cycling, I think for most people the standard format is gonna be some form of EMA. Maybe you're doing like you know six to eight reps at a time with like a minute rest or whatever, so that over the span of your your session or over the span of that piece, maybe you accumulate 30, 40, 50 reps of work and they're all at an excellent tempo and speed and technique. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you look at doing 30 or 40 reps straight through, it's going to start your first, you know, half maybe or more like 10 to 15 reps are going to look really nice and they're going to look a lot different than your final reps. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's going to happen. But in terms of like acquiring the skill, you're going to want to sort of avoid that as, as best you can and um, accumulate as much quality and consistency and intensity. And you have to design your session accordingly, whether that means you need an EMOM or set, you know, set rest or fixed sets or you know whatever you want to do. Or yeah, mm. yeah. I just, mm. I, I just um, like I look at a few of the um, the grid athletes and the stuff right. that they're doing, and you look at the the training. I know that those guys must be training, say, like for a games athlete, maybe a sixty kilo clean. And I saw some techniques that people were doing um, and some speed training that they were doing that was just, you know, I need to move this barbell as physically, as humanly possible, as fast mm-hmm. as I can uh, move it as humanly possible. And, um, and I even saw things like um, people that need to do thrusters taking the bar from the ground, they're already in the squat and they stand it up from there. Like right. little yeah, tiny yeah. Intri- intricacies that are, like, mm-hmm. that are like just designed for speed, 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 speed. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that becoming more prevalent because cause a lot of these grid athletes that are CrossFit athletes as well are getting this training in because they want to be a grid athlete. Right. I know that there's a lot of that part. Is that taken into account at all for you? Or So what you're talking about, sub-maximal, yeah. 80% kind of, is that what you mean when you're talking about the EMOM stuff to be working yeah, fast? Yeah, I, I think well, that's, well? in terms of like skill acquisition, that's where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Um, and in terms of performance in CrossFit, I think that's also the largest... Uh, the largest aspect of it or that you're going to get the, the biggest impact in your yes. performance. You know, if you start a workout with a bunch of thrusters, well, yeah, sure. The guy who like curls the ground, curls the bar off the ground into a squat is maybe going to make up a second and um, the start of the workout. But if he hasn't been doing like rigorous energy system training and barbell cycling practice, well, that second is going to get lost in the, you know, handful of breaks that he's taking compared mm. to the other guy. Yeah, um, so, I didn't mean that yeah. in particular. I just meant as an example of like the sure. way that it's turning for yeah. speed, speed and rather than yeah. So then to extrapolate from that specific example, I think, um, yeah, I well, you know, CrossFit surprises me all the time. Um, mm. So as soon as I say it's going one way, it goes the other way. But I think now with with the existence of grid, you know, CrossFit and grid have to be different. Otherwise, they're the same thing. Yeah. Why are there two competitions doing the same thing? So it seems like you know, grid is going to be more the the I don't know what you want to call it like the 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 drag racing the, yeah, the yeah. circus performance like the really complex skills uh, crazy fast crazy heavy like go 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 you know they're not going to be doing half marathon rows they're no. not going to be doing trail runs they're not going to be doing swimming um, so CrossFit I think is maybe going to obviously include some tests of explosiveness and intense skill as we we saw some of that stuff at the games mm-hmm. but again over the span of a competition, 
the meat of your performance is going to come from just you know doing well in metcons yeah. um and that's less about you know the very very small details which undoubtedly are important but if you only have a x amount of time to work yeah, on things rough. during the year it's going to come from just consistency of practice and training and conditioning i think mm. you got to triage your uh, triage your work uh, exactly yeah. exactly yeah. Some, people, some people call it programming other people call it triage <laughs> yeah. um yeah. yeah so what do you think about grid i have a personally i think i haven't watched much of it since the first year to be perfectly honest but i know the basic tenets well, of what now I you have still. to pay to watch it i guess which is great because that means they're making money for the athletes yeah, yeah. I, I love that side of it 100 percent. the yeah. fact that they want to try and get a professional sport yeah. get it on big tv yeah. big stadiums that's fantastic no doubt in my opinion um the actual sport itself is interesting, but I think the thing that it lacks, which is why I don't think it will ever get to as popular as CrossFit or never catch up, is that I think it lacks the the fact that with CrossFit, you're watching humans suffer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can relate to the pain that they're going through. They're like, right. fuck me, imagine what this guy's going through. Imagine what that yeah. cheek's like. You know, whereas Grid, it's like, yeah, we all know you can move fast in a team. Mm-hmm. Like, that's cool. We've seen that stuff done before. I'm, that mm. doesn't, it doesn't impress me. It doesn't, it's not as relatable. Whereas if you're seeing someone grind through the pain of the CrossFit Games and Murph in the sun, and you're, you're yeah. like, whoa, this is really pushing human performance, which Grid hmm. is too. But it's like, it, I don't feel like it's the same. Interesting. I've got a bit of a different take on it. I agree with you that it's not the same. I agree with you that the appeal is not quite equivalent. Um, you might say that's just because one sport is already more established, has a bigger viewership, mm-hmm. whatever. But uh, I think it's as simple as like team versus individual. I think individual sports are always more appealing, always more interesting. Um, because, yeah, you know, there's a suffering aspect of it, but it's oh, it's like there's the personality. Like there's that guy. Yeah. He's, he's going through it from start to finish. I'm relating to him. I'm cheering for him, whatever. Um, whereas, you know, grid, grid is a, a team and obviously athletes going through one at a time. But like, I think in terms of like the movements that are happening, grid is far more exciting, right? The movements mm. are more complex, more interesting. Um, you don't have to watch anyone sit on a rowing machine for an hour. Um, but yeah, I think it's just the individual versus team aspect, right? You get, you get more latched on more committed to mm. individual personalities as opposed to those of a group. And even if you look at team sports, like, you know, you maybe, well, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of team sports, but you probably care less about, say, uh, the Chicago Bulls as a whole and more about Michael Jordan. Well, I right? barrack for LeBron James. Okay. <laughs> I've always said that. Yeah. People are like, oh, because I always um, put posts up on um, Facebook about LeBron, LeBron and this and that. Mm-hmm. And then when he went from Cleveland to Miami, people are like, oh, I bet you fucking go for Miami now. And I'm like, nah, right. I still go for LeBron James. Right. And that's that's for me. Because I, yeah. when you were, when you were, um, making that example, I was like, "Yeah, that kind of makes sense." But why don't we why don't we watch one on one basketball as compared yeah. to team basketball? But when you relate it to the fact that everyone's following the San Antonio Spurs because of kind of Tim Duncan, maybe or maybe it's their hometown, but like yep. Tim Duncan, you know, Kobe Bryant. That's why he followed the Lakers. The Lakers are shit now. They're probably not all those bandwagoners aren't probably following the Lakers mm-hmm. because they don't have right. Kobe Bryant. They don't have that person, and they don't know all the names of all the players on the team. Probably. Yeah, yeah, just really do, but up and about over that one particular person. Just yeah. anecdotally, my ever since Hawthorne is a team that I go from the AFL, and when Shane Crawford retired, is a who was a, a huge role model for me. I, I definitely can like pinpoint the time hmm. that my love of Hawthorne I still have a big love for it but my love of Hawthorne started to slowly drop a little bit that's really interesting you mentioned that yeah. my my love of basketball in general stopped dead when Michael Jordan retired yeah, I'm yeah. like well I'm not going to watch basketball anymore. yeah that's right that's what I said and then Space and then, Jam reruns and then like, <laughs> <laughs> excellent and then yeah. LeBron excellent film it's an excellent film. yeah that's right yeah <laughs> then LeBron historical uh, uh, 
viewing <laughs> film. Historical document. Yeah, it's a historical um, It's better than the Bible. <laughs> uh, yeah, then LeBron came into the, the basketball and the only reason I started watching basketball again was because people said, this guy's the next Michael Jordan, this guy's the next yeah. Michael Jordan and I latched myself onto him and it dragged me back into mm. basketball. So, mm. yeah, that's interesting that... Um, Way to think about it. You got any um, news for us, Tommy? Oh, I've got some news. I've got some uh, GBS here, the good, the bad, the science. So, Mr. Parker, my friend, we're going to move through something good that happened uh, with the current event, something bad, and then something sciencey. and I'm pumped about the science. So, okay. see what if, we go. What if our opinions differ between uh, the good and the bad? Well, like, are we going to talk about <laughs> Donald Trump and we're going to have an argument no, we just, about... No, we just, okay. we just yeah, fight true. it out like men. We'll just fight okay. it out. We'll, probably, we'll, probably, it, we'll it, punch it, each other a little bit. I'll, I'll pull your beard. You can pull my leg. <laughs> <laughs> It'll all happen. All right. <laughs> all right. So they're good. Some lucky woman just won $10.7 million off a penny slot machine. A Hawaiian woman won nearly $11 million on a penny slot machine in Las Vegas, the Associated Press reported. The unidentified lucky duck or goose from Oahu <laughs> received 10, so uh, what is it? 10, uh, $10,777,270.51 payout Sunday night at the Wind Las Vegas after placing a $3 bet in that penny slot machine. Now, my question to you guys is if you won this money, what is the very first thing you would do straight off the bat? Lucas, what do you reckon? Probably. Uh, probably cry and uh, and just and just freak out. Yeah. Like, I've you know I've seen a lot of these. I love watching these reality shows where uh, um, people win money and then their lives just like fall apart. And it's yeah. like it's interesting seeing how people react and how they're well, at, not even how they react, how the people around them react. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really depressing. That like you know someone they'll win whatever ten million bucks or whatever, and all of a sudden they're like closest friends and family are their relationships just like dissolve mm. and uh that looks it looks really stressful to win a lot of money so it does i probably, actually, I probably it? wouldn't tell people or i would you know i would donate half of it or i like i would do something to kind of like just kill some of that pressure mm. you know how much was it again 100 Ten million dollars 10 mil i'd probably buy four thousand dollars worth of cocaine <laughs> and then i would <laughs> it's so true though i um just go down to the coke and hooker store and- yeah go to the hooker store well i mean there's just one just on just off, off bank street i'm pretty sure oh really it's, about, it's about 100 around here actually yeah, this is the, the coke and hooker store uh store capital of melbourne I see. that's very true well, thank you for inviting me yeah that's right that's right you've got um, the next buy don't you sorry you've got the next buy don't you uh <laughs> sure <laughs> bill what would you do that one joke was just that a little bit too far yeah no, but, that's um, right uh what would i do 10 million one million's easy, I think, because mm-hmm. a million you could, you know, right. invest half of it in a in a house. Mm. Um, you've got that covered. You'd spend fifty thousand dollars and go on a sick holiday with a couple of your mates. I mean, that's what I'd do with, with mm. one million. Yeah. Ten million, you got to think a little bit more. <laughs> you got to you got to like Lucas said, you got to probably give something mm-hmm. back to to someone. Maybe give half of it away. I, I don't know. When it actually when you actually get the money though, it's funny because a lot wow. of everyone probably yeah. says what we say. Yeah, you give half yeah. it away, oh, but it'd yeah. be interesting to know how many people. Yeah actually follow through with giving right. any of it away that's right. right who knows I think yeah a lot of people especially when people start asking them for money they're like well I have all this money so they'll just fuck off and like start a new life yeah and uh, I've, yeah, I've seen a couple couple documentaries about that um, but uh, I, yeah like the whole you know does money equal happiness thing like I think it's to an extent right if you can afford to like feed and clothe yourself well um, live in a nice location have some fun recreation mm. like Anything beyond that is probably extremely stressful, um, especially if you, you totally. know, get yourself a, a nice like million dollar car and then you can't drive it anywhere because you're worried about it getting scratched. Yeah, yeah. Like, 
There's a lot of people I think that would be that, that are so rich out there in the world that I think it would be very, very negative. Like the rich and famous. Mm. Fuck being... I'm talking like really, really super, super rich and super, mm. super famous. Super famous. That's like the last thing that I would oh, ever want. want. Justin Bieber's life would be shit ass, man. It'd be oh. tough. It'd be tough. Bieber's got Depends. the Bieberettes, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's got the Bieberettes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I want to be Justin yeah. Bieber now. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, you see... You see He's a Canadian. Uh, no, nah, don't mention that, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you see these people having breakdowns and stuff, and you definitely feel for them because... Totally. I think at the end of the day, we're all, you know, like, we're all just dudes. Like, very few people are born and grow up, say, famous and in the public eye. Mm. So most people, it sort of happens to them or they make it happen at some point in their life. And then there's that shift from being like a normal person who does normal things to still a normal person who does normal things, but who the entire rest of the universe thinks is somehow special or Mm -hmm. unique or different and then treats you differently. Mm. Um, So that probably causes a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of weird, uh, a lot of weird mental stuff that Mm. I can't even imagine. But also too, I mean, everyone goes through shit in their life and yeah. it just happens for them that it could be relatively normal. Um, it's just in the public eye, so everyone sees it and then it's right, just billboarded right. into even much of a bigger issue, you know? Yeah. I think the first thing I would do was I'd I'd put the amount of money off the $10 million into an account where I know that I can just survive just right. off interest for yeah. the rest of my life and then I just give the rest away. He's done. Mm. There's a... Um is a funny? Did you listen to the um, Sam Harris podcast I was talking about the other day about effective altruism with Will McCaskill? I did listen to that. Yeah, that was really interesting. A really good, uh, good listen, which talked about um, um, how much money it costs to mm. save a life. Actually, I think we talked about another podcast. We don't oh. probably need to go on it too much, but it costs like three and a half thousand dollars to save a life in Africa. Mm. So with ten million dollars, you could do a lot of good. But uh, mm. we don't need a. We've already talked about the uh, the bad. <laughs> Roof jumper gets wedged between buildings trying to impress a girl. Face it, <laughs> we've all done something stupid to impress someone we like. With that in mind, try to sympathise with Grant Birdsong. Even just the last name, you'd very hard to sympathise <laughs> with him. The, uh, the 22-year-old university student from Pittsburgh oh. reportedly was attempting to woo a lady when he leaped between two buildings around 2am last Tuesday. Oh the young man met a girl, brought her up to a rooftop no. and decided to impress her no, by leaping no, no. from one roof to the next. <laughs> That was a, uh, a quote from a spokeswoman um, from the Pittsburgh Public Safety. I know what I'm trying to impress a what woman. I probably wouldn't jump out of a roof. Right. <laughs> but uh, my question to you guys was, what is the most embarrassing thing you guys have done or that's happened to you when you've tried to impress a girl or someone in general? Oh, man, I'll have to think about that I've got one. Moment. I've got one. You it go can't be the one where you jumped out naked into a tree. Go <laughs> I've got one. Go um, so I was at a house party about four years ago. Mm. Um and I, I remember just having like heaps of fun. I remember it being really, really, you know, when you're, if you're out having beers and stuff, there'll be times when you're like, oh, I'm having a good time. This mm. is good. There'll be times when you're like, oh, this is a bit of a shit. No, there's times where you're like, I'm on tonight. This is fun. I'm mean, just, everything's just awesome. Every yep. interaction is just right. silly. And anyway, I was at a house it's a party. It's a direct relationship to how much drugs you've had during the night. <laughs> anyway, One, two, three, I, I, was at, I was at this house party and I don't remember too much of what went on, but. Um, I remember the start of the night. It was really, really fun. I was having a good time. Beer pong was going on, you know, all my mates around. Good. I remember being on the dance floor a little bit and then I don't remember anything else. But what <laughs> I I know what happened because there was people around that can tell me what happened. So I um I I remember hanging around with uh, the sister of one of my friends. She was like kind of cute or whatever. 
Maybe I was trying to hook up with her. Maybe I already was. I don't actually know. Shaking heads already. But I, but I remember it, starting to hang out with her a little bit. Is it Tommy's sister? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, come yeah. on. <laughs> Tommy does have a sister too. Yeah. It was her actually. But. <laughs> you so, told her you were just hanging out with me. <laughs> so what happened was, so I've walked into the dance floor and um, I've got to preface this story by, do you remember the um, CrossFit video about, that showed Rich Froney and Dan Bailey getting challenged to a backflip workout? Oh, yeah. No. So it was made by CrossFit HQ and when that, when that came out, me and my brother were watching oh, it we and uh, I said to Jack, I said, mate, have a look at this. He had a look at it. I said, we need to start adult gymnastics. We need to be walking on our hands like they're our feet and we need to be doing backflips. Mm. And um, so anyway, a week later, I'm at my mum and dad's house and I fell asleep on the couch and I hear this, um, I can hear this, doof, doof, <laughs> doof, out in the backyard. I'm like, what the, fuck, what the fuck's that noise? I open the window and Jack's in the backyard doing backflips, <laughs> straight backflips, landing what? on his feet. Really? Yeah, my brother's got like, um, he held um, the Stingrays record for vertical jump. Like he's just a freak oh, yeah, athlete yeah. Nice. and he taught himself how to do backflips. So I'm like, fucking hell, that's sick. Yeah. Anyway, so back to this party. So I'm hanging around with this girl who I was trying to impress. I'm up and about having a real good time. And um, so the, the boys have filled me in as to what actually happened. So I've walked onto the dance floor in this, uh, at this house party and it was in a garage and it had a polished concrete or just a concrete floor. Yeah. Concrete floor. And um, I've walked in and I literally gave it the clear out, yeah. clear out. For everyone at home, I'm Bill's standing up right now. We're yeah, about yeah. to get a demonstration here. <laughs> so I cleared everyone out of the dance floor and then I said like, watch this. And middle of the dance floor, crouched down and gone for the backflip. And as I've gone for it, apparently because it's a party, so the floor is just soaked with booze. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I've gone for the backflip and my, I've just fl- slipped and my feet have gone out from under me. And my feet have gone up super, super slow and I've just come down straight yeah. on top of my head oh, and knocked God. myself out cold. Yeah. Oh, my God. What happened after that? Dude. I was unresponsive for 43 minutes. Really? So I, I shat my pants, yeah. pissed myself. The party killed the party, as you can imagine. As you can imagine, the party was over. Dude. Um, so I was responsive. You know, they say, when you're in an ambulance, they say, squeeze my finger, squeeze mm. my finger. 43 minutes after the incident. So they had to penny my um, best chick, mate. She, she came in the ambulance with me. She had to call my mum and dad and say um, that he's predicted to be spinal and brain damage. Because if you're oh, out for 43 man. minutes, if you're out for 43 minutes, you're you yeah. can oh, fuck yeah. it. that's how you get brain damage you, you know? yeah. plus alcohol involved as well yeah and, um, you'd be on the express ticket to shit town yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, so I woke up the next day and Penny filled me in what happened and I ended up being fine but that was I've told you about it before I think because I how's that just ended up being fine well, is, yeah. he, is he really fine though <laughs> yeah that's true that's very true <laughs> true so um, so that was pretty pretty silly of mm. me but it gave me really bad anxiety for months because I had the headache but also yep. because the day before was my mate John McCarthy who played for Port Adelaide mm. who killed himself jumping off a roof yep. trying to impress someone oh, in no. Las Vegas. Dude. But and the big question him. is, Dude. did you get the girl? Well, I may have had the girl yeah. and then I shat my pants <laughs> and then on then the you pants. <laughs> and you probably got her even more. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Lucas? Did you have one? I don't, I don't think I can top that. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, the first... First one that came to mind is, uh, and this might be why I have such a preoccupation with like plays on words now, actually. But anyway, so mm. um, it was, uh, I was going to my my high school. So this was like the eighth grade or middle school or something. It was kind of, there was like a meet and greet up in this pavilion. And the school was, uh, it was, um, the locals could attend, but it was also a boarding school. So it was a boarding school, but I lived in town and went to the school. Um Anyway, so there's a girl there, and everyone's sort of mixing and mingling, and uh, and she said, uh, "Oh, hey!" Like, and we were talking. She's like, "Are are you a boarder? Are you a boarder?" And I was like, 
uh, well, you know, you know, like I, I grew up skiing, but uh, you know, I, I switched, I switched to boarding. Uh, I thought it was you know, a little cooler. I want to hit some jumps and stuff. She's like, oh, I, I mean, like, you like, like a boarding, like a boarding, a boarding student. I was like, oh, fuck. Cute yourself oh, straight away. Yeah. So uh, that was that was embarrassing for me, and uh, perhaps explains the complex I have with. Uh, yeah. With well, double entendres at this point <laughs> in my life. Well, I was, How old were you at the time? Oh, that was, I don't know, eighth grade. So I was. Uh, that would have been crippling in the eighth oh, grade. Oh. 15, right? No, that would have been life's over. 14, it's, 15. It's just hilarious <laughs> that you haven't learned from your mistakes. Like, I was freaking out when I was playing at the tribute and you started talking about Las Vegas. It's <laughs> like, it's Nirvana, man. Come on, give me some love. <laughs> oh, all right, we'll move on to uh, the That's science. funny, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, look, I've been to Las Vegas. Uh, I mean, Nevada's quite nice. But like, you know what you should do is oh. you, should cut, you should cut this story in at the front of the show and then have that Put happen. it back there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all righty. Earth-like exoplanet discovered in the nearest star system to our own. A truly breathtaking new nature study has dramatically revealed that a second home may exist just over four light years away in the Alpha Centauri triple star system. This new world dances around the red dwarf star Proxima Centauri, which is the closest star to our own sun. Dubbed Proxima B, this exoplanet was discovered after painstaking years of analysis of the tiny movements of its host star in response to the gravitational pull of the planet itself. By picking apart these stellar wobbles, estimates of the planet's mass and physical parameters could be made. Now, based on the temperature of the planet, this is a very significant possibility for the planet to have water. And as we know from our own pale blue dot, this is where, where there's water, there is life. My question to you, gentlemen, is if there is planet on this life and maybe... <laughs> I, I, always, I always do this. Do you mean question. life on yeah. this planet? Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. If there is planet on this life, guys, jeez, I probably probably don't mean what you said there. Uh, and therefore, potentially intelligent life, why haven't they tried to contact us yet? Well, there was a, perhaps a related news story um, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago I heard on the radio that uh, someone, uh, some agency, somebody picked up a signal. Hmm? Some, they, someone picked up some Shit. signal and they've been calling for NASA or whoever to permanently monitor it. SETI. Um, they called for SETI to permanently monitor it. Yeah. Yeah. SETI's the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Ah. Okay. Yeah. NASA so called SETI. I know that. I know what you're talking about. Oh. So you heard about mm-hmm. that as well. Wow. Um, so that might be related, but uh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, it might have been a, a butt dial in a sense, um, <laughs> in that they're like, "Oh no, shit! Didn't mean to call them." Like, yeah. Yeah. That's right. You yeah. know. I think. Exactly. With- <laughs> oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, you're, you're my you're my one o'clock. Exactly. <laughs> no, I think it's a. You sorry, know. I was trying. I was, I was calling Alpha. My, my bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, it's pretty easy to say, like, with every, with all the weird shit going on in the world and how the, the partic- the human species is, like, just destroying the, mm, the, fucking the, shit the up. Pl- pale blue dot and oh, yeah. killing each other and all sorts of stuff. Like, if anyone's out there observing it, they're kind of like, well, maybe let's let this die down. Yeah, it's like, mm, yeah. you know, when you're over at your friend's house for dinner and, uh, and they start arguing with your your wife, you kind of, with their wife, and you kind of just wait in the kitchen, and, and then you come back when it's over, and you're like, oh, so uh, that's true, yeah. dessert now, yeah, or like, yeah. so how how about those blue jays? Yeah. Or that, how, about, how about the yeah? yeah. Well, um, Joe Rogan has got that really famous theory that he reckons that our world looks like cancer to to someone out there, like just where we're getting rid of all the green, just putting buildings up, and it's just spreading like wildfire to make right. this fucking shit fest. But um, there's a lot of uh, I think that's the the technical term for it. But um, there's um, there's tons of theories. Bill, do you have something to say on this? No, nah, not really. I think um, 
Oh, well, I think one of the reasons is why we haven't heard from these um, civilizations because we interviewed Seth Shostak from SETI, mm. Lucas, who's the, the guy who runs the SETI Institute Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Cool. Um, it was sick. It must have been a good interview. Yeah, it was great. It was really interesting. Oh. But one of the things is like you look at modern humans. So mm. modern humans have been around 200,000 years. We've been sending radio signals out for 50 of them. Right. So Maybe even longer. Or is it 50? Uh, no, it's actually longer than, than right. that. But like say 100 or 150, I'm not... I'm not don't quote me on that, yeah. but no more than 200 years have we been able to reach out to people. And the other thing is, so that's like, it takes a long time to get to a civilization to somewhere where you can actually send signals out to anyone. Oh, and the 100%. other things is, the things are, Jupiter saves us from getting just peppered by asteroids. Mm. Like civilizations mm. out in outer space, who knows how long they actually stay around for before. Space is a shit show, man. Oh, yeah. It's fucking too much going on, like solar flare, I don't know. Yeah, no, those Star Wars documentaries are off the Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's an assumption. It's a big assumption to even start with that. Like, I, I think well, it's it's probably safe to assume that there's life of some sort out there. Just, mm. You know, based on not numbers and size and whatever. But it's a pretty big anthropomorphic uh, assumption to assume that you know if if this life can communicate, that it assumes the same form or style of communication mm. as 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 100 um, you know maybe they're sending out well like who we we might not even be able to conceptualize the the type of communication i, the I signal. You know like i want to say something like different types of radio waves but yeah. even that is is too locked within the human concept and yep. understanding of how things so communicate um so i'm yeah it's, that's probably almost it's, very arrogant to an extent to exactly, say that it's, because it's, we're intelligent yeah. they want to see us you know yeah, that's right. Um, there's definitely aliens out there, though. <laughs> I'm sure there are. I probably, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, guys. So that's first part of our, uh, the first part of our show with Lucas. Um, really good show. Hope you guys got a bunch out of it. Lucas is actually doing seminars for Australian listeners on uh, midweek this week on Wednesday, I believe, at CrossFit Torian, and then he's competing in the Torian Pro. So Correct. Head to uh, check out Lucas Parker's website. Check out his social medias. Check Insta. out his social medias. He's uh, up to date on his Insta. Uh, and uh, Google Lucas Parker. You'll find what he's doing. He's in Australia for a limited time doing seminars on barbell work and competing in the Torian Pro. So make sure you check that out. Um, also, if you like the show, subscribe. Please. Um, you got anything to say And rate and review. Give rate, us a rate and review. Rate and review. Yeah. It's rate on iTunes, guys. Give us five stars. Even if you didn't think we were five stars, <laughs> it all helps. And then a simple review, a little... Uh, Oh, Tom and Bill's so funny. That Tom guy's so cute. I just want to, you know... Uh, I just want to... Sh- 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 <laughs> just uh, write something like that, guys. It, it helps the show. And uh, we will speak to you. Wait. And thanks to uh, thanks to our sponsors, True Pride. Yes. True Pride. Uh, guys, check out True Pride if you want to crunch your budget and get everything Bougie. working in your favor with your money. You should be able to save, on average, $150 a week. Yep. That's $600 a month for the cost of $97 a month. The joining fee will be waived if you head to www.pride.com.au forward slash AWF radio. Mm-hmm. AWF, sorry. No radio. Mm-hmm. And Carve. Carve. Carve, guys. If you, uh, if you want to get your life back, get a VA over, uh, over in the Philippines through Carve. These guys are awesome. And, uh, and it will save you a lot of time and a lot of money. You'll get, uh, you get your life back working with these guys. We're also brought to you by Adventure for Travel, www.adventureforttravel.com. See you next week.